Mother's Day is almost here. Have you found that truly special, sentimental gift for your mom yet? Don't worry, I got you. MyLifeInABook.com is a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. And then, she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature, and MyLifeInABook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges that she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and your children can treasure forever. Your mom has given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I loved this idea so much that I've started my own My Life in a Book for my children to have. The thought of my son and daughter being able to learn about my life story as they grow into their own adulthood is truly special. It's been an enjoyable journey of self-reflection for me too, with questions like, which one event made the greatest impact on your life? It's brought back memories I didn't even know I had. I love it, and I know your mother will too. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER for 10% off today. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Hey everyone, my name is Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. I'm back with another true crime story to lull you to sleep or perhaps to give you nightmares. We're talking about a Canadian true crime case tonight and it might just be the most controversial story I've ever shared on my podcast. I'm going to try my very best to keep my own personal thoughts and opinions out of it, which is going to be really difficult, and I think you'll understand why once we go through it all. People have very strong opinions on both sides of the table, and after you have a listen, I'd love to know what you think. On February 27th, 2012, 19-month-old Ezekiel Stefan began to show signs of being sick. He wasn't eating, he was having difficulty breathing and swallowing, and initially his mother thought that he might have croup, which typically sounds much more worse than it is, with that deep, chesty cough. Over the next few days, Ezekiel's condition began to worsen, to the point of his parents calling 911 because he had stopped breathing altogether. Ezekiel died just a week after being admitted to the Children's Hospital on March 16, 2012 from bacterial meningitis. 
But his death would very quickly spark public outrage, a media circus, and three trials where his parents would be closely looked at for their criminal negligence in providing the basic necessities of life for little Ezekiel. You may have heard of this trial in the news several years ago, but this story goes much deeper than many people know, and it's only a piece of a much larger discussion with regards to homeopathic medicine and parents' responsibility versus rights when it comes to modern medicine and their children. Many years before little Ezekiel's tragic death and way before he was ever born, there was a tragedy of another kind involving his father, David, and the things that he would experience as a child. It will all come full circle in the end, so we're going to start our story back in 1994 in southern Alberta, Canada. The Steffens were a very strict Mormon family. If you're not familiar with the Mormon religion, you're not alone. I grew up in a Catholic household, so I had to do a little digging, but here's what I found. Mormons believe that Jesus is a god, but also that humans can become gods as well. They believe in prophets, they believe in the Bible, but they also believe in several other books that basically are of the same caliber of the Bible, including the Book of Mormon. Some sects of Mormonism practice polygamy, some do not. Some forbid the use of drugs, including alcohol, tobacco, coffee, and tea. While most Mormons believe in modern medicine, believing that God has given humans the ability to heal, some even turn away from modern medicine, instead of believing that God is the master healer and only God is the master healer. But really, all of this varies church to church and even family to family. The reason I mention any of this will become apparent soon. The head of the Stefan household was Anthony, who was married to his wife Deborah, and together they had 10 children, including David, who would grow up to be little Ezekiel's father. But long before that would ever happen, David would grow up in an extremely toxic and difficult environment. His mother Deborah suffered for many years with mental illness, including bipolar affective disorder. She really tried to battle it, taking every prescription medicine that was given to her at that time, but it really just wasn't working. She'd spend one day entirely in bed, not being able to move, even to care for her children, and the next day she would clean the house top to bottom until she fell in a heap exhausted. There were many highs and many lows, but the lowest of lows was in January 1994, when she attempted to take her own life along with the lives of her children. One by one, she loaded them up into her vehicle, including David, who was just a child at the time, and drove to an isolated park. She told them, we'll all feel better soon, and was ready to drive them all into the river. However, at the very last minute, she changed her mind. Thankfully, her children would be spared. But it wouldn't be long until Deborah would make another attempt at taking her own life, and this time she was successful. She would be found deceased in her vehicle with a suicide note on the passenger seat beside her. She had asphyxiated herself by running a hose from the exhaust into the interior of the car until she fell asleep and never woke up. She lost her battle with mental illness, her children, including David, who was maybe 10 years old at the time, lost their mother, and Anthony lost his wife. It was really tragic. 
I can only imagine the kind of effect that such a tragedy would have on one's life. The family really turned towards their religion. I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that many Mormon churches are pro-modern medicine, however some are not. Well, the Steffens were part of the latter, and after Deborah took her own life, even after taking her modern medicine to treat her mental illness, they really leaned into the idea of taking a more naturalistic approach instead of using common pharmaceuticals or even getting vaccinated. To them, Deborah's suicide was kind of proof that these medicines didn't actually work the way that they were supposed to and that there might be alternatives that would work better. Head of household Anthony Steffen had just lost his wife. He was angry and looking for a solution, particularly because he now had these children to raise and a few of them were also beginning to show signs of suffering from mental illness. Of course, the children were traumatized from their mother's death, but we do know that mental illness does have a habit of becoming a generational issue. Anthony's son, Joseph, began to exhibit some extreme behavior. He was acting out and getting into fights, and according to Anthony, he would be diagnosed with bipolar just as his mother was. His daughter, Autumn, who was a young adult when their mother died, would also be diagnosed with bipolar. And Anthony was terrified that there would be no effective treatment for them and that he might lose them as well. While working as a pet food distributor to support his family, Anthony met a man named David Hardy, who was a livestock feed salesman and also a Mormon. During a discussion about what people were feeding their animals, David mentioned something that immediately had Anthony's attention. He said that there were pig farmers he knew who had begun to feed their animals nutritional supplements as part of their diets, and it seemed to successfully cure a lot of their health ailments and issues like tail-biting disease. I can imagine a light bulb popping up above Anthony's head as he started to put together the pieces and wonder if maybe these nutritional supplements would have the same sort of effect on humans. Maybe they could even treat mental illness. And this started his journey of becoming somewhat of a mad scientist, really. He began concocting these potions that were a mix of minerals, amino acids, and other nutrients, and then he began feeding them to his children to see what, if any, effects they would have. According to Anthony, he would give his bipolar son Joseph this mix to see if it would treat him, tweaking it along the way until he would say he finally found some success. According to the Stefan family, they were able to find the right mix of vitamins and minerals that would calm Joseph down, completely change his demeanor, and, in their opinion, cure his bipolarism. He offered the same concoction to his adult daughter, Autumn, who was also struggling with her bipolar. At first, Autumn resisted taking whatever her father had made for her. It wasn't until she was released after being hospitalized because of her paranoia and hallucinations that she would try her father's homemade remedy. Back at the Stefan house, where Anthony was now taking care of Autumn, he basically force-fed her this combination of liquid and pills that he had made. And according to both Anthony and Autumn, who would later write a book about the whole thing called A Promise of Hope, it worked. She said that she was cured. Anthony felt like he was really onto something here. 
Modern medicine didn't work for his wife, Deborah, and it didn't appear to be working for his son, Joseph, or his daughter, Autumn, who were experiencing the same mental illness. Now, he felt like he had a natural remedy for mental illness that could also help others. In 1996, he would launch his product called the EM Power Plus Supplement as part of his new company, the Synergy Group of Canada, and their sister company, True Hope Nutritional Support Limited. This company and their product is still around today. A bottle of 228 capsules costs about $80. According to the website, EM Power Plus is a unique blend that includes 16 minerals, 14 vitamins, three amino acids, and three antioxidants, and it helps with anxiety, depression, ADD, ADHD, autism, bipolar, and OCD, which is a huge claim. Huge, huge, huge. As a side story, many years later, in 2011, there would be some controversy around EM Power Plus when Jordan Ramsey, a 27-year-old man from BC, who was diagnosed with schizophrenia, killed his father after switching from his prescribed medication to EM Power Plus. The BC Supreme Court found him not criminally responsible for the killing. I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I wanted to throw that in there because no one who has been diagnosed with any sort of physical or mental illness should ever switch medication without consulting a real legitimate doctor. Anyway, back to the main story. As you can imagine, Health Canada didn't like this company making such claims. When they tried to put together a two-year study to test the effectiveness of this magic pill, Health Canada refused to approve the trial because they said that it was not an approved drug. And here's where I actually think I might disagree with Health Canada. Personally, I don't think the Steffens company should be able to make such claims about curing all of these ailments without third-party testing. So if I were Health Canada, I would want the testing done. Anyhow, they tried to sue Health Canada for not allowing them to conduct this study, but the lawsuit failed. Meanwhile, Health Canada did everything that they could to try to keep this product off the market, including seizing it at the border and raiding their offices several times. In the end, Health Canada changed their rules around natural health products like EM Power Plus supplements, which made it easier and completely legal for the Steffens to sell their magic pill. And boy, does it sell. According to an affidavit submitted by Anthony Steffen, in 2010, their main company, Synergy, had a revenue of $10.9 million with gross profits of $6 million. My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, 
French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in True Accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go, and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factors No Prep, No Mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes. Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factors chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factors Fresh, Never Frozen Meals that are also dietitian approved. No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day because that's half the battle, and I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, these meals are delicious with ingredients you can trust. Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com slash napper50 and use code napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code napper50 at factormeals.com slash napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Anthony Steffen would have an annual salary of over $500,000 and would live quite comfortably. Holistic medicine really became a family business for the Steffens, including Anthony's son, David, who would grow up, get married, and have a family of his own. Now, this is the backstory that really sets the scene for our true crime story tonight. I know it's a bit complicated, but I hope I was able to explain it in a way that makes sense. So now we have the story of the Stefan family when it comes to a history of mental illness and their beliefs in holistic medicine. And it's all really important when we begin to dive into the events that would lead to the death of 19-month-old Ezekiel Stefan. Ezekiel Stefan was born on August 20th, 2010 to his father David Stefan and his mother Colette. 
he was successfully delivered at home with the help of a birthing assistant and registered nurse, and he was a healthy, typical little boy with 10 fingers and 10 toes. David was now working for his family company as vice president, and in fact, his face and his voice was often heavily used as part of their marketing of that EM Power Plus, posted on flyers, pamphlets, the website, and all across social media. His wife, Colette, had also worked for the Stefan family business, but was now going to be a stay-at-home mom to care for Ezekiel. In my opinion, and many others, They were a very loving family, and they cared for Ezekiel dearly, which makes this story all that much more tragic. On February 27, 2012, the family was living in the village of Glenwood, Alberta, a very Mormon community, and even named after Mormon leader Edward Glenwood. 19-month-old Ezekiel attended preschool on this day, and while there, he began to show symptoms of being sick. He had a fever, he wasn't eating much, and it seemed as if he had difficulties breathing and swallowing. Colette decided to call their family friend, Terry Mainders, who was the nurse and the midwife that had delivered Ezekiel at home. According to statements that would later be released, Terry asked if she could listen to Ezekiel's breathing through the phone. After listening, she said that she thought that it might be croup. If you've ever had croup or been around someone who has had it, it comes with this very audible, chesty cough. Colette decided to do a little research about croup online, as many of us parents tend to do when our child is sick. And after reading about the symptoms, that barking cough that sounds like a seal, a hoarse voice, difficulty breathing, a rasping sound when breathing in, often accompanied by a fever, she agreed, yep, it was likely croup. Instead of taking Ezekiel to the doctor, Colette and David decided to try to treat the symptoms on their own. And again, fair enough, croup is not usually a medical emergency unless it keeps getting worse. They opened the window in his room to allow some fresh air in, they set up a humidifier, and they gave Ezekiel smoothies that were easy for him to drink so that he could stay hydrated while also having some sustenance. Additionally, they gave him his usual natural supplements that they always gave him, including EM Power Plus and some other supplements like olive leaf extract, garlic, and MSM. They continued to treat Ezekiel over the next few days at their home with these home remedies, and they say that within a few days, his overall condition actually appears to improve. He's not 100% better, but his fever seems to be gone, and he's starting to play with his toys again. He's also starting to eat some solid foods. According to his father, David, as of March 5th, about five days since he first became ill, Ezekiel was feeling well enough to go back to his preschool. His energy was still low, but he did appear to be improving. David had to go away for a business trip, and Colette continued to care for Ezekiel on her own. But the following day on March 6th, things seemed to take a downward turn again. When Colette went to wake Ezekiel that morning, she found him lying in bed, moaning. He was weak and lethargic. He was also making unusual movements that his mother thought may have been involuntary. He was tugging on his diaper and rubbing his face, but it didn't seem like he could control these movements. He also wouldn't eat anything. So she went online once again to look up how she could make her baby more comfortable while he was sick. In the end, she decided to increase his fluids. 
When David called from his business trip later that night, Colette told her husband that she thought that Ezekiel was getting sick again. Again, I want to note here that Colette decided not to take Ezekiel to see a doctor. On March 8th, David arrived home from his business trip with some more natural supplements that he had picked up for his sick toddler, including apple cider vinegar, onion powder, ginger root, garlic, hot peppers, and horseradish root. And both David and Colette say that over the next few days, again, Ezekiel's condition appears to slightly improve. He seemed more alert and he was starting to eat solids again. However, one thing that they did note was that Ezekiel seemed to be experiencing joint tension and stiffness. Quite literally, his tiny body would become stiff and he would arch his back. And it wasn't long before he was really sick again, not eating, lethargic, difficulty breathing, and not sleeping well. His parents decided to skip church the following Sunday because they were worried about exposing Ezekiel to more germs or getting anyone else sick. On March 12th, things were really bad. He is no longer drinking any fluids, and his parents are having to hydrate him by giving him eye drops. Still, they don't take him to a doctor. Instead, they ask their nurse friend, Terry Mainders, to come by to have a look at him. After examining the little boy, Terry said that she wasn't sure exactly what Ezekiel had, but that it could be meningitis. Now, there are two kinds of meningitis. There's viral meningitis, which is the most common, and it's caused by many other viruses, and it's not usually life-threatening. On the flip side, there's bacterial meningitis, which can be very serious, especially in babies and toddlers. If left untreated, it can lead to seizures, brain damage, hearing loss, and even death. Terry suggested to Colette that it was time to take him to the doctors for treatment. Instead, Colette jumped on her computer again and researched the signs and symptoms of viral and bacterial meningitis. According to court documents, Colette decided that Ezekiel likely had viral meningitis just because of how long he had been sick. Patients with viral meningitis can battle their symptoms for quite some time, but bacterial meningitis is really fast and really severe. After talking to her husband about it, both David and Colette decided that instead of taking their toddler to the doctor to confirm if he had meningitis at all and if he did, which type, they would continue to treat him with supplements. Now it's March 13th and Ezekiel has been sick for two weeks without ever seeing a doctor. David and Colette had some running around to do that day, including signing some paperwork at their lawyer's office. When they tried to get Ezekiel into his car seat, they couldn't. His little body was too stiff for him to fold into the seat, so they made him up a little bed in the back of their SUV and laid him on that for the one-hour drive out to the lawyer's office. While out and about, they called a naturopathic clinic to tell them that they would be stopping by after the lawyer's office to pick up some natural medicine for Ezekiel, who they believed had viral meningitis. During that call, the receptionist told Colette that they really should take the baby to see a doctor, but Colette told her that they didn't need to because they had a nurse friend looking in on him. Just a reminder here that that nurse friend had also told the Steffens that they should take Ezekiel to the doctor, but they hadn't. 
After the lawyer's office, they head to the naturopathic clinic and they picked up a product called Blast, which is basically echinacea. A lot of people will take echinacea if they feel like they might be starting a cold to try to stop it in its tracks. It's not a proven medicine to fight viral meningitis. Either way, they gave it to Ezekiel and then they went grocery shopping where they passed by a walk-in medical clinic, but they didn't go in. They returned home later that night and gave Ezekiel some more fluids before going to bed with David. While resting in bed, David said that he noticed Ezekiel was breathing really strangely. At 9 p.m., David noticed that Ezekiel had stopped breathing completely. First, he called his father, Anthony, for advice. I'm not joking here. This is all part of the court record statement of events. And then he called 911 while he patted the baby's back. Ezekiel started breathing again, but then he would stop, and at one point, Colette had even tried to attempt breathing into his mouth to get him to breathe on his own. All the while, David is still on the phone with the 911 operator while they wait for the ambulance to arrive. When David sees that Ezekiel is now breathing again, he tells the 911 operator that they didn't need to come, and instead, he would drive the toddler to the hospital. About 20 minutes later, They are in their vehicle headed towards the hospital, but Ezekiel stops breathing again and Colette has to once again try to perform CPR. David continued to drive towards the hospital as quickly as he could while he dialed 911 on his cell phone. This time the ambulance was actually quite a ways away from where the Steffens were on the highway, so David drove to meet them. When they finally met up with the ambulance and the paramedics tried to revive Ezekiel, he was completely blue in the face at this point. He had no pulse. He was not breathing at all. The situation was dire. The paramedics attempted to intubate him to help him to breathe. However, unfortunately, the breathing equipment in the ambulance was too large to properly help a child as young and small as Ezekiel, so it's really not all that helpful. When they arrive at the hospital, Ezekiel is properly intubated with a tube that is more suitable, and the emergency doctors continue to perform CPR. Eventually, Ezekiel is transported by air to the Alberta Children's Hospital in Calgary, but the prognosis is grim. He is showing no sign of life and is completely brain dead. However, his parents want him put on life support, which doctors do until March 16th, when it's clear that he will not make a recovery and he's legally dead at just 19 months old. An autopsy would reveal that he had died of bacterial meningitis. The coroner found that Ezekiel had pus on his brain and in the pleural cavity around the lungs, which were indicators of HIV infection, which could have caused his bacterial meningitis. Most children in Canada receive a HIV vaccination as part of their regular vaccination schedule. However, Ezekiel had not been vaccinated. His parents were then, and still are today, against vaccines. Almost a year later, on February 14, 2013, David and Colette Stefan were charged with failing to provide the necessities of life. 
as you can imagine, this caused quite a huge media storm in Canada. There were anti-vaccination groups rallying around the parents and then the pro-vaccination side wanting the book thrown at them for failing to provide conventional medical care for their sick son. Everything I talked about was brought up in court, how Ezekiel was so sick and so rigid at one point that he couldn't even go into his car seat, how he had stopped breathing on multiple occasions, how they were told by several people, including their nurse friend, that they should take him to a doctor, but they never did. While on the other hand, the Steffens argued that they were not aware just how sick their son was. They maintained that they believed that the baby had the flu or croup. The really sad part here is that experts testified that if medical attention had been provided to him, even as late as the day before he died, he very likely would have recovered and would have lived. The jury would find both David and Colette guilty of failing to provide the necessities of life. The Crown had asked for a three to four and a half year sentence, but David would get four months in jail while Colette would be sentenced to three months of house arrest. Just days after the sentencing, David posts the following on Facebook, and he's clearly not taking any responsibility for his actions. He said, I only wish that you could have seen how you were being played by the Crown's deception, drama, and trickery. This verdict has also now led to a dangerous precedent being set in Canada. The floodgates have now been opened, and if we do not fall in line with parenting as seen fit by the government, we all stand in risk of criminal prosecution. So clearly, he did not think that he did anything wrong, and the government was overstepping but I'd love to know what you think. Either way, this was just the first trial for the Steffens. They, of course, appealed their conviction. And the Supreme Court of Canada overturned the verdict, declaring that the original trial judge did not provide the jury with the tools necessary to make a decision given the large amount of medical evidence offered during the trial. In the second trial, there is only a judge, no jury. The defense witness testified that Ezekiel died from a lack of oxygen in the ambulance, not from meningitis at all. They were putting all of the blame on the paramedics and the lack of proper equipment in the ambulance. The Crown argued that baby Ezekiel died from meningitis, which would have been treatable had the parents taken him to a doctor. By the time the paramedics got to Ezekiel, he hadn't been breathing for 11 minutes. The Steffens, in the end, would be acquitted of all charges in this second trial, but the Crown argued that the judge was biased against their expert witness, who was a Nigerian-born doctor. The judge made comments about the way the doctor spoke and difficulty in understanding him, calling his testimony garbled and incomprehensible. And so, a third trial was ordered in March of 2021. And at that point, if Ezekiel had lived, he would have been 10 years old. This case really went on for this long. All the while, the Steffens would go on to have three more children. In June of 2021, Crown prosecutors stayed the charges against the Steffens, determining that the evidence did not meet the standards for prosecution since it had been nine years since Ezekiel's death and the evidence available had deteriorated. 
Staying the charges basically means that a judge or the Crown has decided that it would be bad for the justice system to continue with the case. There's no judgment of guilty or innocent. It just doesn't continue. And again, the public was split. David and Colette were kind of seen as heroes in the anti-vaccination community. After the death of Ezekiel, and just before the first trial began, David really reinforced his decision not to vaccinate, stating, We're actually more adamant than we ever were. As I said, the Steffens went on to have three more children, none of which are vaccinated, and they are still big proponents of homeopathic medicine versus conventional modern medicine. And David, well, he even speaks at wellness conventions, which kind of makes my stomach turn. In more recent times, David has stated that coronavirus, COVID-19, is a hoax that was brought about to bring on fancy new vaccines and that the seriousness of illness has been falsely inflated. If I had a guess, he was likely a big part of that freedom convoy that set up inflatable hot tubs in the capital of Canada because they didn't want to wear masks. I have a difficult time with this. Children do not get to choose their parents. They are absolute gifts to their parents who are responsible for doing everything that they can to keep them healthy and safe. Whether you believe in vaccinations or you're against them, I hope that we can find some common ground here. In my opinion, David and Colette failed their child. It's their right not to vaccinate, but when their baby is so stiff that he can't go into his car seat and they have to lay him on a bed in their vehicle, I mean, that should be a common sense moment that the child needs medical intervention. If they had moved forward from all of this, admitting that they had made a mistake in not seeking medical treatment for their dying toddler, if they could be a voice for other parents who might not be sure when they should be bringing their children to see a doctor, then I would have absolute empathy and only empathy for them. But it seems like they've doubled down on their beliefs and refused to take any responsibility for what they did. I can only assume that they do this so that they can look at themselves in the mirror. But I'm sure that it must haunt them every day. And it should. That's it for me tonight. This is a case where I would love to hear your opinion. So let me hear it. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper or I'm on YouTube. Until next time, stay safe, stay kind, especially in the comments. Bye. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support. The new Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, 
and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Superbeets Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Superbeets Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL.